Hi, everyone. This is Sandra, and you're listening to the Talk Carby to Me podcast. Is it? It is back on tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Tomorrow's yeah. Friday. Duh. Um, I know. The first time that we didn't have games on. It's been sad. Yeah. It's the first time since, what, pre-Thanksgiving? Yeah. 17 days. <laughs> yeah. I need it back. I went four I years without Went four years without soccer, and now I can't live without it. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting because, what, it's Croatia versus Brazil, and then it's the Netherlands against Argentina. Yeah. It's all shaping up. It's going to be interesting. Argentina, Portugal. You know, I just think you're wrong about that. I don't think Argentina is going to make it that far. Well, that'd be on the assumption that they're going to lose to Brazil, which is possible. And then that's based on the other assumption that France is going to beat Portugal. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. The France-Portugal game, I can't. It's hard for me to make a prediction on that one. I do think Brazil is looking really good. Like when they play well, they're really great. So. Yeah. I guess we'll see. That's why they play the games. Yeah, I'm just not a big Argentina fan. No shade on Argentina. I just don't like their soccer team. <laughs> yeah, but the world needs to see two goats in the World Cup final. Yeah, but Neymar is pretty good too. Well, you either you basically have your choice. You're either going to watch Neymar versus Mbappe in the final, or you're going to watch Messi versus Ronaldo in the final. You know, I'm really rooting for Morocco. I think they're good. I don't think they're going to make it that far, but I, I am. I'm going to be Team Morocco for as long as I can. <laughs> so during their game, during that Spain Morocco game, I watched it, uh, but I was very tired, so I was like in and out of sleep and stuff like that. And like I woke up at one point in the middle of the game, and I was like, "All I see is Elf on the Shelf versus Spain." And they like if you look at the Elf on the Shelf uniform, it's the same as what Morocco was wearing. Like no disrespect to Morocco, but. Like they now played, disrespect to Morocco. They played a game, but I, I couldn't unsee it. It was just like Elf on the Shelf. It's like playing phenomenal defense. And <laughs> you know, I so I was in I was in sessions basically all day, and then I went to go take the score, and I'm like, they're still playing. And then I tuned in. I'm like, whoa, wait, they're in mad overtime, and it's still zero zero. So at this point, I'm rooting for no one to score because I wanted the penalty shootout. And yeah, absolutely amazing. Penalties are awesome. Yeah, I think they're like one of the the most, I don't know, the dumbest way to win a game, honestly, because it means absolutely nothing. Like basically you have managed to play for 120 minutes and for you guys still to break even. So clearly no one's better. So we're just going to flip a coin. I, I, I look at it deeper than that, um, especially in that result, right? So Morocco wins in penalties. They went three nothing in penalties against a top ten team in the world. And so, if you think at like, if you look at like belief, like who you think you are, who you're supposed to be, and obviously this is a a, a big metaphor for life too. Uh, who you think you're supposed to be, and when like that moment re- meets up with the point of meets that time where it's like who that thought, like who am I? And there's a result at play. You can kind of see who you are. Uh, and if you look at that, that penalty situation, when you looked at Morocco and they showed their team, they're kind of like, you know, they're hopeful, they're a little antsy, the anxiety kicking in. You look at Spain and it looks like they had already lost. Yeah. 
Totally. Like they were, they were sad. They were mopey. I'm sure there was a little bit of, well, we should have won in regular time. And, but, and it's like, okay, but you didn't. Are you who you say you are and who everyone thinks you are? And you can just tell from the body language that they were going to lose on PK, even their captain, right? Who's the only returning member when they won the World Cup from before. It's like, even you look sad. Like you look like someone just broke up with you. Like you're like, and it's just, it's one of those things like you're not that guy. And and part of that goes into, it, it's one thing to say, I'm this person, that person, I'm this person that does things well. And then you have that moment where it's like, okay, everyone's watching, prove it. And you can't because you don't actually believe it. Yeah, I definitely think like, I mean, Morocco just looked so excited to even be in that position, right? Like, they were just, like, so pumped. And um, I don't know, in that moment, then I was like, oh, man, but Spain, like, the sad. And they looked, they, looked, they looked really sad. They just looked really sad. I did not want really either one of them to lose at that point. But, I mean, I mean, Spain couldn't even, like, I don't know. They couldn't even shoot the ball properly at that point anymore. Like, they just they had no more energy. They were so in shock to be in that position. They couldn't even rally around it anymore. And I mean, rightfully so, like who would have thought that Morocco would put them in that position, bring them to their knees. Yeah. Everyone loves a little embarrassing on a global scale for them. Everyone loves an underdog. Yeah. And I love it even more that it's not against Germany, that Germany was, you know, not involved in that situation. So (laughs) Like if like if it was Germany, Morocco in that position, I would have also been would have a different tune about it. Well, you guys, I mean, you guys had your own blunder, so yeah, we did. You know, in the end, like right now, like a lot of really, really top teams had a really, really humbling experience at this World Cup. But as it as um, it should be, I, I think you see that a you see it a lot in sports this year specifically. Uh, tons of underdogs have been coming through and literally every sport, college, NFL, even some like ho- the hockey season just started and that's been off to like a surprising start. And yeah, it's one of those things like complacency. And when you look at that whole thing, as far as like, you know, talent and hard work, it's like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And you, you can see that all across sports. And if you extrapolate that into daily life, fitness, anything like that, right? It doesn't matter how gifted you are, how in shape you are, anything like that. Like if you're not putting in the work on the good days on the bad days and things like that, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, LeBron James is like, he like practices a ridiculous amount, right? If you just talk about talent and making sure you're keeping up, you know, talent and practice and constantly working hard at it. You know, he spends, he spends over a million dollars on his body a year. Makes sense. From like training to therapy, recovery, uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of times people kind of like, oh, this person's so talented. That's where they're so good. It's like, no, not only are they talented, but they're working their ass off. And we just don't see the working their ass off part. Yeah. I see it at, it's one of those things where that's, it's the, that's the easy thing to grab. Yeah. Right. That's the easy reason to, to kind of take and accept. Uh, because that person's gifted, that person had this fresh start, that person had, you know, X, Y, Z that helped them out. Whereas I didn't have that. Uh, and my cards that I was dealt was differently. Uh, when the reality is you just played your cards differently. Like yeah. you, you got soft and you didn't play that. You didn't play the hand correctly. Now that's not to say that some people don't have a better starting point for sure. 
Yeah. Right? So I'm sure when LeBron James, that just goes around that example, when LeBron James was 10 years old, he was probably had the athleticism of someone who was 18. You could watch his old AAU games when he's in middle mm-hmm. school and he's dunking. But that doesn't mean that, you know, other people might have had, you know, to work harder and stuff like that. Even Michael Jordan, like, didn't make his high school basketball team. Right. Like, he couldn't he couldn't make the team. And is he is he talented? Sure. Right. But there, there's that other element there that has to exist. And that's most of the time it's actually more important. Yeah. It's really the work that you put into wanting to be something that matters. I would say more than necessarily your talent. Your talent's going to help you out for sure. It's going to give you that edge. But how much you're investing in yourself to get there is highly underrated. Yeah, for sure. Unless you're already at that caliber, right? Unless you're already playing with those people. But um, for us Joe Schmo general people, we underestimate the hard work that goes into things. And we give up very easily too. We're very quick to give up on things. Yeah. Failure sucks. Yeah. I mean, look, even like in, even like just trying to lose weight or just trying to change your body, right? Or just trying to like, I don't know, drink more water. Like how quick are we to give up? Big fact. Yeah. Super big fact. But anyway, interesting conversations for sure. Do you have Disney Plus? Yes. Okay. So Disney Plus released this short series. Yeah, this is like short series thing. Uh, it's called Limitless. With Chris I actually think I think I saw, I saw a few episodes of that. So I just started watching that. Super fascinating, right? So one of my clients put me on because um, we were at. We always talk. She's she's into you know all these like the fourteen peaks. She's into any kind of like mm. ex- extreme kind of adventure thing where these people just go above and beyond. Um, so I started watching it. We're actually going to do a mini variation of it with her. Let me pull it up again now to see what it is. Can you explain to people who don't know what it is? Yeah, yeah. So Limitless is a series. It's fe- it's featuring Chris Hemsworth. The only issue I have, before I explain what it actually is, the only issue I have with it that it's Chris Hemsworth, right? So Chris Hemsworth happens to, you know, he's Thor. He's got the physique of a god, which is why he plays, you know, the god of thunder. Um, he's not like your average Joe Schmo. He's in incredible shape. Uh, I would rather see Barry from accounting go through a mini series like this. But basically, he sets out <laughs> to kind of okay. to kind of test the limits. Uh, yeah, I want to see a regular dude go through it. Um, Say to like the Olympics. The Olympics should have like regular people compete. Like I want to see like just one random guy thrown in the mix just so we have a, a comparison factor. <laughs> um, so they set out they set out to to tackle some various things and it, it starts at like the effect of, you know, aging on the body and what the body can do and what our perceived limitations are. Um, so the first episode goes into stress management, uh, stress management. Uh, when you're faced in a situation that's incredibly stressful or something that you're like afraid of doing and things like that. So they have like a height challenge in there. I'm not going to give too many spoilers in there. Then they have, he's got a, he does a, an Arctic swim, right. And can his body, you know, go through like swimming in the Arctic. Uh, There's one that touches on fasting and the effects of that on the body and uh, things of that nature. So he actually does a fast for four days uh, he also, they take a look at strength and how that can play a role in your body and like where you're at and stuff like that. So there's a rope climb that's in like this mountain canyon thing like that. And it's about a hundred feet. And there's also uh, one that goes into like working your brain and kind of like training it to work and be effective and retain memory for as long as possible. Uh, and it goes through that. So that was pretty cool. So we're actually going to do like a mini challenge, our own little version of it with my client, which is pretty cool. And the reason, what are you, uh, huh? what are you, you guys going to do? 
So I haven't got it fully strapped out yet. I don't think we're me and her are going to go through and do an Arctic swim. Um, so we might have to find so, some slight ones. Um, but I think the the cool thing about it and kind of like thinking of it and watching is like, she's really into that. So when we first started it, it was like, you know, I got a lot of back pain. I got a lot of hip pain, this, that, and the third, I don't really work out, need help, need guidance, need to get stronger and things of that nature. And over time, I've been with her for about two years now. Over time, you know, I've, I've made her stronger. She moves better. She's in less pain. Um, she's stronger than she's ever been. So like when she goes out and hiking and she goes all these activities and she's a little outdoorsy, like she feels great. And like, she's just like thriving like in that environment. That's awesome. Um, and so we're at the point now where we kind of meet where, yes, we still have your typical health and fitness goal where it's like, yeah, I'd like to continue losing a little bit of weight, but we, we've unlocked a new area of fitness per se. Right. So when you look at like functional fitness and it's like a buzzword that's thrown around, like, Oh, like functional fitness area. Like when it's like, no, everything is functional if you're kind of using it correctly, but it goes into what are you eat? What are you in the gym for? Like I'm in the gym to make my muscles look good. And it's like, great. And what functional fitness really should be viewed as is like, what does it look like when you're interacting with the planet and gravity and like these different obstacles and stuff like that? So right, because we've been hammering strength and how your body moves and how your body feels and these different like patterns and things like that, she can do more. So now we can unlock these like challenges and like trials that we can kind of like test out and like, you know, what if you did have to climb a rope? Like, could you climb a rope right now and things like that? And so it becomes more of a, and it, which is a kind of like my model for the gym. It becomes more of like a, you're in the gym to work on things. So that way, when you're outside of the gym, you're thriving and yeah, it should be pretty cool. So keep you updated, but that's going to be pretty cool going into next year. But yeah, I thought it was fascinating. A lot of cool stuff in there. It was funny too, the episode where they do like strength training and stuff like that. It's got like half my training method in it. And I was like, oh, that looks familiar. A little nod to myself. <laughs> but uh, okay. yeah. I, I, honestly, I pulled up the, the show and it's not the show that I thought of. So I forget. Uh, so forgive me. I have not seen the show, but I will have to check it out now. Yeah. My only and my only knock on it is that it's Chris Hemsworth. Hmm. Right. And it's like, well, it totally makes sense. But what if it's someone who's just like like I said, buried from accounting, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's just like super important that like, you know, that we, I mean, in the end, any kind of exercise will help you improve across, you know, like functional, functional world and stuff like that. Right. In terms of like your daily living, um, even like just bending over and picking something up, carrying something like all that stuff will help you in your fitness world. But yeah, climbing, I mean, climbing a rope and all of that, like, that's a whole other caliber of fitness. So that's like Spartan race training right there. <laughs> Yeah, the rope, the rope climb, climbing a rope is incredibly difficult. Like when I was in the military, even at basic training, we didn't do a lot of rope climbing. But uh, when I got into Spartan races, we did a lot of rope. Obviously, there's a rope climb is one of the obstacles. And it's maybe yeah, 15, 20 feet, something like that, maybe. Yeah, um, 20 feet might be a little generous, if I'm being honest, but it's more than 10. And that was the thing that I always struggled with. And a lot of that was just technique and a little bit of self-doubt because I'm afraid of heights. But um, once I kind of you know, narrowed that in and made it a focus. Like, okay, so I know, you know, I struggle to climb the rope. So when I work out in the gym, when I'm pulling stuff, modify things a little bit because I know that that's coming. Right. Um, so it's not just about, is my back getting stronger? Is, you know, do my lats look great? Um, it's yeah. more about like, what do my lats do? And what do my hands do? What do my, what does my grip do? And things of that nature. Yeah, so. your feet, how, like, like, like how they tie around the rope and all of that. Yeah. 
yeah, I got out of having to do the rope. The one Spartan race I ever did, I was pregnant and I almost dropped out of doing it because I had such like bad morning sickness. But I did it and I got out of the rope climbs. I said, I'm pregnant. I am not climbing a rope. That was that was a good time. That was. I can't believe I did that. We're, yeah, I guess uh, me and Jen are going to do that again oh, uh, fun. with another group of people. Uh, that was really fun. Obviously, yeah, everyone, various fitness levels you see represented in Spartan racing and stuff like that. And I think it's one of the, it's the barrier for entry is not existent, right? You can just go and have a good time and, you know, they're fun and uh, yeah. they're, they're not always like, you know, you're, oh my God, I'm like grinding, I'm grinding and grinding. It's kind of like a, a long run and there's these, these challenges and some of the challenges, like it'd be the simplest of obstacles. And you see people sometimes like, oh my God, I can't do that. Or what if I, like, you know what I mean? And you psych yourself out a little bit. So um, that was definitely a cool thing to do though. Yeah, no, that was definitely a lot of fun. Honestly, like in, I had a good time. I had a really, really good time doing it. I literally like for, for viewers who are listening um, up until I saw the group that we were doing the race with, I was not going to do it. And then I saw everyone and then I'm like, fuck, I'll just suck it up and go through and get through it as, as best of my ability that I can always just drop out. But it was a really, really muddy affair. <laughs> You, I'm gonna you, come across like a princess, but it was like really muddy and it was really dirty. <laughs> that wasn't even the that wasn't even the worst one. We did one. I have the picture on my Instagram. Um, there was one in Jacksonville when there was. I've never seen so much mud in my life. Like I still have mud in places, and that race was in February. Oh my god! I I mean, it's not. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a princess with that. I just don't like to get dirty. Yeah, not like that. But I don't either. Yeah. But you've done enough Spartan races where I feel like you can't say that. <laughs> I, I think I'm just used to it. Like, it's like, ah, whatever. I'm probably going to get muddy. It comes off anyway. I mean, you're sweating and you're running around. It's not like it stays with you for a little bit, but. Yeah, that's true. That's so gross. Did you see the red meat study? I did. I did see that come out. I mean, I was not surprised. I read it and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right? Like, I don't know. It just was not surprising at all. The original arguments against red meat just were not very convincing in my opinion. So I've never really been a person that was anti-red meat. But as a dietitian, I should have been more anti-red meat. So <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, I think I love it. Like I posted about it yesterday on my story, fire up the grill. Um, yeah, I think I think it's fantastic. And in the recent weeks with when you look at dispelling bullshit. Uh, first, you had like the liver king thing. And now you've got red meat and actually done in a study. Uh, and it's fascinating. So for those who are unfamiliar with the study, which probably most people will be because no one pays attention to studies. Scientists at the University of Washington did, did the study and they what they were trying to do was find out what are are there risk effects when you eat more red meat in your diet versus not. And what they found was that there was a weak link to diabetes, a weak link to colon cancer, a weak link to breast cancer, and no link to increased chance of heart disease or stroke, which completely dispels almost everything we've heard about red meat uh, to this point. Yeah. I, will, I will interject in saying that First of all, when it comes to like studying nutrition, like studying nutrition in general is very hard. And here's why. First of all, it's hard enough for anybody to stick to any diet, period, let alone for a study and all of that. Um, 
so you have that layer in there, right? That just sticking to a diet program and making sure your people or your subjects are actually sticking to whatever dietary intervention you're putting uh, that you're asking of them that they're actually sticking to it. But also too, like so many things affect so many things. So like when it comes to like heart health and all those and that, like, you know, how active you are matters. Um, your genetics have a certain component to it, how much water you're drinking, right? Like how, like, you know, how healthy are you in general? So there's so many things that affect those factors, including like, do you smoke, right? Are you, um, you know, are, like, what's your fitness level at? Like, are you like borderline an athlete? Or do you have you never even like driven past a gym in your life? You know, like, there's just so many degrees of people out there that I find nutrition in general, hard to research. So especially when the first red meat study came out, um, saying, or when they first started saying, oh, red meat's bad and all of that, like, I think we all, all need to look at like, what kind of subjects were utilized to even make those correlations. And a lot of them were sedentary, they were smokers, you know, they haven't seen a vegetable in a decade, right? So it's, it's just, I mean, I'm just, I'm being, I'm being a little bit overdramatic about that. But the, the premise of the studies weren't fantastic because of the people that they were studying. And I just think that there's just a consistency amongst that um, in general with nutrition studies. I think that's a great scientific response. Um, why do you, but where do you think the demonization of red meat came from? Honestly, like I, I don't, I don't know exactly where it came from. Um, maybe I've heard of it and I just can't think of it right now, but I don't really know where it came from. Um, but I mean, it's, it's in the end, like it's, we all want to point at something, right? Like that's the reason why, mm -hmm. and we don't want to make it to be sugar because that affects a lot of industries, right? So we don't want it to be sugar, even though sugar affects your heart way more than, you know, red meat oil. So, um, yeah, so let's demonize something healthy. Yeah, it's because it's the easy thing to grab. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it when we were talking about the LeBron James thing, like the talent thing. It's it's the easy thing. And also, when you look at it, to be very real about it here. It's easier to blame red meat for your problems than it is to admit that you're fucking lazy. And I, I mean that with all respect or disrespect, as much disrespect as or respect as you want to take that with, that is about as direct of a response as you're going to get. It is easier to blame red meat than it is to admit that you're fucking lazy. Also, when you look at the kind of world that we live in, if I want you to drink my drink that I've made is my special formula and it's my blue drink and we'll just call it blue drink. And, but you have the choice of having red drink, which is this different formula. I could tell you all the good things about my drink, or I could focus on all the bad things about the red drink. And whether they're true or not, you have that fear factor to it that is going to make you adverse to going through that. Right. And that's, it's kind of when you look at, like, you look at diet culture, you look at, you should be, ve you should be vegetarian. No, you should eat red meat. It's easier to convince someone to be vegetarian if they're convinced that red meat is going to kill them because maybe they have some experience that's kind of helped frame that. Right. So maybe someone they knew ate a lot of steaks and died and they were over and you know, they were overweight, but the, you didn't, then, like you said, you don't take into account the factors. They were overweight. They didn't exercise. They had a sedentary lifestyle. They didn't take care of themselves. They just happen to eat red meat and it's the hot button that makes you buy into 
the 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 other side of the of the fence. And I think that's where, unfortunately, that's where a lot of it comes from. But it's good to see studies like that come out um, and kind of debunk some of that stuff. Yeah. I also think like another thing too that we need to consider is that like, there's so many different kinds of people, right? With so many varying backgrounds too, that like an approach that works for me, think of all, think of all the weight loss programs that are out there. Some work great for certain people. Some work, don't work great for those, for other people. Right. And I think the similar thing goes for when it comes to nutrition in general and what people get so like almost like religious about their diet approach, right? If you're carnivore, if you're vegan, if you're this or that, right? Because something like you, like something helped you out so much that you have such a standing behind it. Um, but I know for me, like I could not go vegan. It just wouldn't work for me. Um, I also know for me, unless like I have to do some sort of like dietary intervention, like I, like keto wouldn't work for me either. Like it's just not something that, that like I feel great on. So but again, those are great options for other people. So I think like there's just so many different factors that play into your nutrition and we all respond a little bit differently to it. So it's hard to say like one size fits all for just all humans. For sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It's super interesting. I think it's great that they're bringing out some other studies around red meat. Um, I think we've villainized it for far too long. And also too, to kind of add more context into it, nutrition as much as like there is a lot of information out there about it, there's also not a lot of information out there about it, like scientific information. So. For sure. Uh, there's a lot of bullshit out there, yeah. honestly, like, especially like it's annoying going through uh, social media and any kind of like, you, you see like the media outlets, like a lot of the world's health officials are obese. Like what? Like, yeah. like get out of here like I, you've lost all credibility I, I don't care what you say you can't you can't talk to me about health it doesn't matter you you've lost me yeah and there's also there's just not a lot of like I mean a lot of there's a lot of information out there but not a lot of it is scientifically backed I mean that's also why I wanted to become a dietitian because I just wanted to be healthier and I got confused about everything that I was reading that was posted online it's like one one party says don't eat meat the other party says only eat meat and I just wanted to know like what truly is correct or not and then excuse me funny enough like in, even even with it within diet even within the dietetics world like yes there are certain like guidelines that we are to like uh, we are to follow and all of that but even amongst dietitians there are plenty of disagreements yeah so there, there should be disagreements and stuff like that like it'd be kind of weird if everyone thought exactly the same if you look at the government it's a two-party system uh and that's how that's how a lot of progress is made and obviously like the, the unfortunate factor is today's society is kind of like this is war instead of like constructive conflicting ideologies so like if two parties, if two things, two sides of an, of a topic are agree are disagreeing on stuff, there usually is a middle ground that's actually pretty reasonable, and you can get some decent results from you know being a little reasonable and kind of you know seeing the other perspective. Here's my perspective where they they kind of intersect like this Venn diagram thing. Totally, yeah. I mean, I just think we need to have in general just more like constructive um, discussions between different parties, um, not just like in a political realm, but even the nutrition realm, even the medical community. Like, I think it'd be so fascinating to have just more, you know, people that kind of are of, of opposing beliefs of things um, just to kind of have them. I want to hear arguments from both sides of the story and I want to have those solid arguments as well. Right. So I can make up my own mind what works for me. Um, 
but people don't like discussing things anymore. Everyone gets very angry. Yeah, for sure. A lot of it is, uh, no one likes, people don't like to be wrong. Yeah. Like that. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, it's what, it's like a, it's hurtful to be proven wrong. Yeah. And then it becomes one of those things. Like I really believe this thing and I was wrong and now I'm hurt because I've been disproven. I'm now also offended, but also what else am I wrong about? And it kind of like jacks up their whole, like their mental state. So a lot of people don't want to face that. Yeah, no, for sure. And also too, like nowadays, like being on any like public display or public platform and saying you're wrong about something um, or saying something wrong. And even if you come back afterwards and you correct that, like no one actually forgives you. <laughs> it's like some people, some people get forgiven. Michael Jackson got forgiven. Okay. Well, I guess there's some ex- exceptions, you know, so maybe shout out to the King of pop, but yeah, like it's a, it's a weird thing. You know, we had yeah. concession stands in my backyard. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of what we were just talking about, like, so the red meat study. Yeah. Kind of disproves what everyone's been saying. And when we look at like middle ground between like the people who demonize red meat versus the people who champion red meat, Uh, I think there's one thing that is kind of coming through nutrition and research and stuff like that is the effect of fiber on your diet, which lines up with a question that I got in my DMs, which is, should I be looking at my fiber as something to, it's like almost like a pillar to build my nutrition plan around? Yeah. So, I mean, fiber has almost been nicknamed like the, like the fourth macronutrient um, just because it plays like such an important role and fiber is in so many different kinds of foods um, such as like it's in fruit, it's in vegetables, it's heavily in beans um, and peas. Peas are really, really high in fiber. There's different kinds of fiber. So you have your soluble and your insoluble fiber, and they both play different roles. So insoluble fiber being like basically that you can't digest it. It goes in and out of your system, um, like just the way it is. And soluble fiber meaning like your body can break it down. Um, They both play different roles around. They both play different roles in your system. So both are important. So insoluble fiber basically like it helps with constipation, it helps with infections in your gut, it can help with hemorrhoids, heart disease, cancer. Um, And your soluble fiber is basically like a sponge in your gut and it helps remove stuff from your um, from your bloodstream and it actually binds with cholesterol. So it actually binds with cholesterol, helps reduce cholesterol and helps eliminate it. Um, It can help lower your blood sugar levels. It can um, even slow down how fast your food is digested. It can help with firming stool, reducing diarrhea. So um, if you, for instance, suffer from diarrhea or constipation, we always say increase your fiber, um, but please drink more water too. So I feel seen. Fiber, fluid, and exercise for diarrhea and constipation are literally the exact same recommendations um, yeah. for both of those, which is funny because they're opposing things. But they both play, they play such an important role. But, you know, within the carnivore community, it gets demonized a little bit. The fiber talk. Vegetables in general get demonized, which is just a hot button topic for me. But fiber what is, is super, super important. What is the carnivore community? Okay, so for, this okay, is I'm one of give you an my favorite topics. So basically, if you are part of the carnivore community, likely you are being told that vegetables are bad for you, and it has to do 
there's a bunch of different reasons why, but that basically vegetables hold a certain amount of pesticide in them that are harmful to your system. So for instance, um, some vegetables have what's called oxalates in them. Um, oxalates can accrue and they can cause a kidney stone um, in your system. But here's the thing, if you're dehydrated, that's gonna happen to you. If you're not dehydrated, you're likely not gonna have the same level of accumulation and you're not gonna necessarily form a kidney stone. So um, hydration plays a key role within kidney stones. There are other factors too, right? I'm being overly simple, but that's one of the reasons like, oh, well, it could lead to kidney stones. So they're, and people with, um, that get, people that get kidney stones often, and those are of the oxalate kind, they should avoid certain vegetables that have oxalates in them to help reduce the chances of getting that kind of kidney stone, and therefore vegetables must be bad. But then you could also argue at that same token that once you have chronic kidney disease, you actually can't consume as much protein anymore because your kidneys are not as great as filtering out. Um, basically, your kidneys are taxed and therefore not good at filtering things out anymore so well. So therefore, you're recommended to eat less protein. So that kind of goes against the carnivore diet again. <laughs> because you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to eat so much meat anymore. So it's just like the arguments to me of like why you should demonize vegetables are so weak, but you have to be in the know to know why they are super weak. Yeah, I I personally I find the carnivore diet fascinating. Uh so if, so if you don't know, the carnivore diet is exactly what it sounds like you pretty much you only eat meat. Um so it's a step beyond keto. I think it's fascinating. It's one of those things where like, for most people, it's probably not going to be a way of living that's sustainable. Uh, but if you look at some of the people that have switched to carnivore diets, and with some of the responses their body has had, and that like that was the method that they chose to go about it because nothing else works. And some people have had tremendous success, right? With, oh. with things with things like, you know, eczema, uh, dental disease, uh, mental Mental, when I say mental, I mean like brain health and things like that, certain issues there. Um, it's the same thing with like, if you look at the, the keto diet, the diet was initially invented to help with uh, epilepsy. Um, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where that came about. So a lot of times if you have, you know, a doctor in the know and you suffer from epilepsy, a lot of times they'll you know, say, hey, they'll look at some ketogenic aspects um, of maybe making some switches to your nutrition. So it's, it's another one of those things where it's like for, it's probably not for everyone. But you can probably get a lot of, uh, you probably get some good out of it if you do have conditions where it's like, I'm at the end of the line here. I don't know what else to do. I'm in shambles and things like that could be something that could, that, that works for that. Yeah. Even on the same lines, like there's actually a podcast that just came out from Dr. Huberman and he had somebody on there that talked about nutrition and um, mental health. And a lot of it they talk about is the keto diet and how it can help with like schizophrenia. It can help um, with like severe mental disorders and all of that. But I think the more important thing to look at within that context is yes, you have that higher fat intake, but also like, what are you leaving out by approaching those diets? And a lot of times like we're, we're leaving things out like carbs. We're definitely leaving out things, um, you know, like gluten and all of that. And I think those are all really important things to look at as to why are you feeling bad? Um, and so I think sometimes like, especially with eczema, like, or eczema, I always say it wrong. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say it right. Eczema. Um, yeah, that a lot of times people that suffer from it, if they go on a gluten-free diet, that can sometimes help clear things up or they go grain-free. Like it's not the same, like one size fits all approach again, but sometimes it's usually a food intolerance that's um, causing them to have skin reactions. I'm um, saying with psoriasis too, right? So 
um, sometimes I, by going carnivore or by going keto, you might be feeling better, but at the same time, like, are you feeling better? Cause we're leaving out certain things that your body's actually reacting to, not because you're going necessarily keto. Mm, yeah. I've been thinking of switching, of going to the carnivore diet. Um, I mean, I've done it before. I do feel really good on it. My father-in-law does it. He's been doing it for five years. He loves it. Um, I mean, yeah. My issue with it is I'm kind of an endurance athlete. So for me, it's like, I, I don't really have any kind of present like blatant food intolerances. Not that I'm the perfect vision of health, but I'm a pretty strong immune system. I don't have a lot of, you know, conditions that require me to kind of like look into, you know, treatments and stuff like that. But I would just love to do it for the, like, is the hype real and kind of like my own little study and test on it. However, I'm an endurance athlete. So I'm like, if I don't eat if I'm to add, if I don't have a high intake of, you know, glycogen in my diet, like, am I going to be able to run a half marathon? And then that part of that's going to become like that mental challenge aspect of it, which would be pretty interesting to see. I mean, one could argue that you're in even the fat intake from the meat and all of that can help fuel all those things. And the carnivore community would tell you that your performance would not be hindered, right? Yeah, of course not. So I, I think you should definitely do it. I think we would all love to know about it <laughs> mm. and see how you feel on it. I'm sure there's different stages of it too. Like I think in the beginning, you'll probably hate it and your performance will suffer, but like how will you respond after three months of doing it or five months? Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, is sometimes when I train upper body, I don't, I like to be hungry when I'm doing upper body, uh, which in very textbook logical fitness advice is not the play but i feel fucking fantastic when i do upper body when i don't have anything in my system and i'm and i am i am sensibly hungry like my stomach is growling i am hungry that upper body workout is fantastic now i, I rarely do that but when i do do that uh, and i like to do it sometimes mentally it's just a different it's a different set of it's a different state of mind uh it feels more like an arena uh, if you will yeah, well, you can have still fruit on your um, carnivore diet. They have them villainize fruit. Some fruits. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe, I give it, maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I think it's super fascinating. I've gone through my phases of doing it, um, and I've, I've always enjoyed it. But. Yeah, so you the fiber topic, right? Great. Everyone should have fiber. Um, but we talked about like what it does for your stool, diarrhea, constipation, things like that. Now, for most people, that's not a common conversation that you have. I have this poop conversation a lot, actually. because I do, too. Because we're new, we're, we work in the field of nutrition. Like that has to be a topic of conversation. So um, yeah. it's all right. But like so when we look at I'm I'm constipated all the time and things like that. And it's like, OK that's not like a PSA. I'm actually not constipated. I haven't been constipated in a very long time. Uh, but when you look at like regular stools and things of that nature, it is my stool normal and stuff like that. You see like the poop charts and a lot of the fixes, like you said, or some of the most, most of the, the immediate fixes are going to be add more five-year new diet. Also drink more water, which, which you yeah. would imagine would be the easiest task of all time. Um, so let's talk about like, you know, because people ask all the time, like, how do we get more water into our diet and in, in, in our day? Let me first, I want to first add, interject to the fiber topic one more thing before we move on to the water. So if you are constipated and you suffer from constipation, you simply adding more fiber to your diet without adding more water is just going to make your situation worse. Okay. So as much as like insoluble fiber is really great for constipation, um, 
please, please, please know that water plays a crucial role. So think of like water, like pressing things out of your body. It's like literally like in a toilet, like flushing things out. Okay. So, um, but you just clogging your toilet more that's already clogged. It's not going to be helpful. So you need to drink more water. Um, but okay. So let's talk a little bit about water and like how to drink more water. So first off, like how much water should you drink? I always say the minimum amount is half your body weight in ounces. Um, I think like even me being pregnant right now, they say like whatever, 10, eight to 10, um, eight ounce cups of water is plentiful for me. And I don't know who they think that they are. Like I can't, that, that is not enough for me. So even like half your body weight in ounces is sometimes like not enough for you. So it's like basically your minimum. Okay. So most recommendations around water are actually not sufficient. Okay. So you still need to get more in than that. Water is also responsible for how well your blood flow, uh, how well your blood flows in your system. So people that are really dehydrated, if you were to try to go get your lab, your blood work done or your blood drawn, it's going to be so hard to get blood from you. So I got to witness this one lady, she came in, we had to get her blood drawn. And I literally have never, I mean, we spent probably 30 minutes with her, with the phlebotomist trying to get blood from her. Nothing was coming out because that's how severely dehydrated she was. People that are really well hydrated, the water, I mean, the blood just like fills up those little tubes so, so quickly. Um, and that also means that like you were not able to carry nutrients around as well. We're not able to carry oxygen around as well. And you might just be feeling tired and sluggish just from feeling dehydrated. So I say all that because sometimes when you understand why we need to drink more water, it resonates a little bit. So how do we drink more water? I'm a big believer that you shouldn't drink your first cup of coffee until an hour or 90 minutes after waking up or whenever you like first wake up in that first hour to 90 minutes. That's when I focus heavily on drinking a lot of water because you basically didn't drink water for the eight hours. Hopefully you slept for eight hours for the eight hours that you've been sleeping. So you've been basically going dehydrated for that long. So I drink a, sh a shit ton of water during that time. Um, and then I really focus, like I have a large water bottle. It's, I don't even know how many ounces are in here. 34 ounces or something. And I try to drink at least three to four of those a day. Like I try to get a gallon of water in every single day. I notice that when I don't get that water in is then that I start like feeling more tired and I gravitate more towards coffee. Do so you think that's realistic? What? waking up and not having coffee for an hour and a half for most people. Yeah. As far as execution, I'm just talking about execution, not the method. Yeah. Yeah. Like basically it's just like a change, right? So if you wake up and like, I mean, just make your cup of coffee, take it with you to work. Right. And just still focus on drinking water that first phase. Like also, too, the reason why you want to withhold your caffeine for an, for the first hour to 90 minutes after is just it works better. You feel way more alert. You feel way more energetic. And you actually end up sleeping better because of it, too. So um, there's a I mean, you can go back to Andrew Huberman. He talks a lot about this. Um, but basically, if you can start instilling that into your into your life, it will actually help you out so much more. Like I enjoy my cup. I feel way better when I have, when I have my cup of coffee an hour after waking up. 
Um, in the beginning, it was hard because I was one of those people that like woke up, hit the coffee machine button and drank my coffee. Um, so I first started off with 30 minutes and then went to 45 minutes and it went to an hour. Right. So I just kind of like inched my way towards that hour. And now it's like a not negotiable. So that's kind of what I was getting at. That's what I meant. Right. So like when, so the, the, the issue with caffeine is caffeine um, can obviously you can build up a tolerance to it, but it could also cause like a withdrawal, which is why you have a lot of people when they wake up in the morning after you've, you know, hopefully been sleeping uh, for a decent amount of time you have kind of like that withdrawals and that makes it kind of go away much like anything else that happens to have addictive properties and things like that. So that's why I was asking you, is that realistic for most people where it's like, Hey, I'm just suddenly not going to drink my first cup of coffee for about an hour and a half. Right. So that's where I was yeah. kind of going into as far as like the, the buildup. So maybe start 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, stuff like that. Well, also too, like you need to drink a lot of water during that time or else you're really going to feel like crap. So like if you're drinking enough water, you won't like a lot of those feelings you don't have to be honest. So um, but anyway, so those are, those are kind of like my methods around how to get people to drink water is like I kind of try I try to get people to front load their water intake in their day. Makes what sense. What about you? For me, it depends on the person. It depends on why they're not getting enough water in now. So if you're someone who has like a desk job, you know, office job, you work a nine to five, something like that. If you look at what you do in a given day. Right. If you have, you know, if you work, if you work on the hour, right. in like a service industry job or something like that, or there's something that you do pretty regularly, maybe every hour, a lot of jobs have, will have that one thing. You just might have to look for it. You start using it as a water break, right? So what you're basically doing is you're making a cohabit, right? So an, uh, an example of this, when I worked at Best Buy, we had to check in, in within the day revenue numbers, right? So we'd have to, I'd have to go to the computer, take a break from whatever I was doing, go to the computer you know, type some numbers in, see how we're doing on that last hour, carry on about my business. What I started doing was I would have my water bottle where I checked. So I would walk to it, I'd take a sip of water, I would do the thing, carry on my business, rinse, repeat. Um, and I built the habit of when I do behavior X, I drink water, which is behavior Y, and now it becomes one habit. Um, and you can do that with emails and things like that. You can do that with any kind of task that you might do, right? So if you, if you are someone who, you know, you're in between clients, between every client, I take three gulps of water, right? And you do that. And over the day, that's going to be one of those things. It'll be one of those things that kind of creeps in with you. Um, I also, for some people, right? When they eat, I drink a glass of water and then eat your meal. All right. It'll help you digest better. Uh, but it becomes a thing. I'm eating water. I'm eating water. I'm eating water. Um, so totally. that's usually how I, how I kind of attack it there. Yeah. And also too, if I can add to it, like your lips are actually a great cue for how hydrated you are. So I'm not, I'm not really a chopstick gal. I'm not really a lipstick gal. Um, because I like to use my lips as my cue for my hydration level. So if did they're, you, huh? Did you say chopsticks or chapsticks? Chapstick. Oh, I heard chopsticks. I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I do I'm... use chopsticks because I think it's, I feel special that I can do it. <laughs> Fact, facts. If you, if you don't eat with chopsticks, I got nothing for you. Yeah. You just learn. It's a good skill to have. And it's definitely said to you above other people. Anyway, back Ooh. to the lips. Um, so if you are hydrated enough, your lips should not be dry. So that's another way to kind of gauge, like, do you need more water? Are you drinking enough, right? So if you're recommended amount, if you're drinking a recommended amount every day, but your lips are always dry, you're probably not drinking enough water. 
so your lips are actually pretty quick to respond to that too. So drink plenty of water and your lips will be nice and like, I guess, lubricated for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, but if you're constantly putting on chapstick, then you're not drinking enough water. That's for sure. So um, also too, if you are drinking like close to a gallon of water a day, I recommend having at least one electrolyte beverage a day. Um, not the ones with like sugar in them, like not your Gatorade or Powerade or anything like that. Like your saltier water, like electrolyte powder in water. Yeah, you can electrolytes. Like I've said before, electrolytes are a big thing with my diet. Yeah, super important. But, uh, yeah, you I mean you can get sugar for Gatorade. Yeah, and then we're getting getting <laughs> into the artificial sweetener business, <laughs> and he just really want to talk about that. That's another one of those. Th that's another one of those things where it's like that's the easy thing to grab at. Yeah, well, okay, but with artificial sweetener, since we're going to go down this here real quick, they do stimulate more carb craving because you just have more sweetness, and it's, I mean that's been studied that the more artificial sweeteners that you um, ingest, the more likely you're craving more carbohydrates too. So, if you're trying to lose weight, that sometimes can be a hack, but sometimes it works against you. Yeah. Oh, I know it's been proven. Yeah. It, it's my, it's that's my same thing. That's the bandaid to fix the behavior that comes from a different habit that you could just fix, but people don't want to fix the hard habit. That's kind of where I was going with that. Not saying that that's not the correct, that's not correct. Uh, <laughs> Anthony well, and I disagree on artificial sweeteners for the a hundred percent to the, to the cows come home. Yeah. We will sit here and fight all for the rest of the, for another hour <laughs> and, about and, artificial sweeteners. And to be clear, my stance on it is that that is not the thing that is holding you back. Uh, not that it's not correct. And not that yeah. for certain pop portions of the population, and we're talking about maybe less than 1% of the population, and that's your diet's perfect, your exercise is perfect, your sleep is perfect, everything is, is going well, and there's still something that's just not working right then okay, maybe that might be the thing. But for the most of us, we can't check off even one of the previous five things I mentioned. So that's kind of where that that, that logic comes from. And I, I can, I can for the most part, get behind it. But sometimes, sometimes even like just getting your, well, anyway, I'll just say it fine. I stand behind that, that that's like the lowest hanging, I mean, whatever. It's like, uh, sorry, the higher hanging fruit to pick on, right? Yeah, that's a tree topper. Right, so... But at the same time, like sometimes that is the thing that needs to change is like your perception of how much or your, uh, my words, my pregnancy brain, basically how used to like how much sugar you're used to can sometimes hold you back from seeing other changes. And that is not because of necessarily artificial sweeteners holding you back, but that's because you're so used to a certain level of sweetness in your life. And um, you're just constantly trying to meet that. But anyway. Back to water. <laughs> what can we say about water that hasn't already been said? Yeah, just drink more water, please. Like, for goodness sake. Especially in the winter. And if you live up north and it's cold outside, you're less likely to feel thirsty, okay? But um, it's even it's still as important for you to drink water. So. so, you know, it's really funny. So we're talking about I'm constipated. My stomach's not working right. I have diarrhea. And okay, what's the fix? What's nutrition? What's science tell us that the fix is? It's telling us to drink more water, check your fiber intake, and you know, okay, it's if that might help you there. If it doesn't, then you take a look at you know what's your entire diet look like and things of that nature. Yet you go on social media 
and it's colon broom is what you, what you should have. What? So I, I, I've been getting this ad lately and don't get me started on targeted ads and the ones I've been getting targeted. I'm a, uh, I'm a male who's 35 years old or who's about to be 35 years old. You can guess the kind of targeted ads that I get without going <laughs> too much into that detail, right? I also get this other one called colon broom. Colon broom, like a yeah. broom? Yeah, I, I want to buy it just on the name. Like, talk about marketing. Like, colon, like, oh my God, like, absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's basically, the, it's designed to have the same effect. Like, hey, drink water, eat more fiber, eat a healthier diet. But no, it just buy this thing called colon broom. Like, it does it all for you. It's a magical thing. It's a magical thing. Now, no oh one's constipated. And secretly, like, ever, ever, like, most people are fucking constipated. No, that's not, not most people, but some people are constipated, but yeah. Oh, in case people want to know how much fiber you should be eating, it's between 25 to 35 grams per day. Um, if you want to start tracking how much fiber you're taking, just log your food for a little bit. It will tell you how much fiber you're eating in a day. It's also something you can supplement. So you could, you could buy a supplement and throw it in like a shake, a smoothie, if that's something you're already doing. Yeah. To help get no, you. It's different, there's different kinds of fiber, but um, definitely get a high quality fiber. I have another question that I got this week, actually. Sure. And it's, do I need to eat breakfast? Ooh. I love that question. You want to go first? Not necessarily, but I'll tell you why I love the question. <laughs> why? So all our lives, we've been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Yeah. Fun fact. It's not true at all. Yeah, it is a it is it is an important meal, but is it the most important meal? I mean, that's like a very very strong statement to make. Yeah, I would say since you don't want to answer it first, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> that the basically, it's not like you have to wake up and eat food right away. Okay, like I do think there's a certain importance of honoring your hunger, but that's again for the general person. If you are an athlete, if you have certain like weight goals, exercise goals, physique goals, this does not apply to you. We're talking about the person who goes to, who doesn't work out. Okay. So I should add that. If I wouldn't go to the point of starvation, because that's not good either. Once you're starving, right, then you just want to eat everything under the sun. But you should, but I do, I don't think you need to wake up and eat something right away. I'm not one of those believers in that. Um, I do like the intermittent fasting system for most people because there's a lot of benefits to your gut being at rest um, that it can't execute because it, it, when it's busy digesting food. So I do think that a nice little fast sometimes is very helpful, but and you should start eating something when you start feeling hungry. Food companies, uh, yeah, right, and a lot of their products, like if you – I think if you were to go into a grocery store, you'll probably find more breakfast items than you will any other items. Interesting. Right? Never thought and about that. And just, just take a look at it. You'll, you're More than likely, you're probably going to find more. A, a wider variety, I guess, is a, is a good way of putting it. The, uh, In my opinion, and you touched on intermittent fasting, and maybe that's going to be, a, that'll probably need to be a, a bigger topic too. Literally every meal is just as important as breakfast. Yeah. Right. So like the meal you have for lunch is just as important as the meal that you have when you start your day and, and things of that nature. And the kind of like the focus that you want to have there is it's you want to set the tone for your day. Right. And that's about it. Right. But let's say you're someone who does intermittently fasting and you can't eat breakfast like those people 
don't eat breakfast and they see they you know they can achieve weight loss and things like that and one of the the things with intermittent fasting whether you look at the the science behind it or not you're you're e eating less your eating window's smaller so you're probably bound to eat less which is probably bound to lead to weight loss yeah um, for 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 some people it's just it's just that easy it's it's that's just what it is yeah. um there are other people that see benefits like sandra was talking about as far as like you know your your gut being at rest and things like that in theory right like she said, you know, breaking fast, like even if you, you know, if your first meal of the day is at four o'clock every day, technically that's breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Technically it's breakfast. Also to the kind of, in, in terms of breaking your fast standpoint, um, a lot of people, they love to have their coffee with their sugary creamer and the, all the jazz in the morning. Um, but you are technically already breaking your fast. So if you are on the intermittent fasting program, unless you're just drinking like black coffee or black coffee with like a little splash of almond milk, just because almond milk, especially if you get the low sugar kind, it's like basically nothing. You're basically breaking your fast in the morning. So just know that that is your breakfast. Yeah. I, I you know, it's funny. I, I'd be curious if we did a study on everyone in America and take all the obesity stats where we have almost, you know, three, two thirds of the population is obese. If you just eliminated, if everyone just drank black coffee, like just black coffee, nothing else Ooh. in it, um, which is the only way to do it. I wonder what that, how much that stat would change. Okay, have you ever researched or looked into what goes into a Starbucks drink? No. It is horrifying. And I They're... love Starbucks. I'm a big Starbucks fan, okay? So I don't want anyone to hate on me. I will say the Starbucks Frappuccinos are fucking phenomenal. If you get a double chocolate chip Frappuccino and you substitute white mocha sauce in it, you have a cookies and cream milkshake. You're welcome. You heard it here first. It's phenomenal. <laughs> They put uh, but, like three pumps of syrup in a tall cup of coffee. And they call it art. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, it, it's just, it's mind blowing. Like, so basically the minute I got the app, <laughs> I was from Starbucks and I started seeing like what all goes into a drink because you can customize it and all of that. And of course I do. And I look at the nutrition label. I mean, it is horrifying to be very honest. Yeah, but I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's brilliant. It's, I think if you look at it, put yourself in Starbucks shoes. Oh, it's phenomenal marketing. Right. We are a nation of obese people who eat bullshit food. Now, as someone who has bullshit food in his diet every day, you know, there's something in my, it, like you might look at my diet if I were to picture it all out and, you know, yeah, there might be, yeah, he ate an Oreo today or he had some cake or, you know, there was this other crazy thing that you wouldn't expect to be in there. Um, and you see all this processed foods and the country is built on processed foods and processing of foods is important because if we didn't have the ability to process foods, we would waste a ton of food. Like the, the hunger crisis in America would be a lot different than it is, or excuse me, the world, even because it's not mm -hmm. just a, a local problem it would be a lot different because we'd waste so much food. It'd be hard to get oranges from Florida to Massachusetts or like in the wintertime, everything's going to die in the Northeast or some, some most things are going to die in the Northeast and stuff like that. So there needs to be some processing, but over time, when you have all that processing, your your taste buds become kind of numb to to everything, right? So now everything everyone's kind of conditioned to be soothed over. Where like, oh, if it's, it doesn't taste good unless it's sweet, and you really can't tell that that's how you're conditioned until you start to have whole foods in your diet. You start to cook a little bit simpler, then your taste buds can appreciate that. Then when you go back to eating everything, you're like, oh, this is disgusting because I can taste like the syrupy effect of it, yeah. right? I think then they're just tapping into that, and yeah. I think it's it's a brilliant business strategy and like like power to them 
Look, don't get me wrong. My very first cup of coffee was a caramel macchiato from Starbucks. And that was that that's what got me into coffee. And every time I have one, I reminds me of that first cup of coffee that I had. And it was it was like a really cool day. I I just remember exactly the day when I had that cup of coffee and it always takes me back. So like I love Starbucks. I collect their mugs. Okay. So I'm not trying to hate on Starbucks, but um, definitely do your research on like what goes into your coffee. And if that's something you drink every single day, or even if it's not even just Starbucks, like Dunkin', whatever kind of coffee you drink in the morning, um, if it's your own creamer that you buy, you put in there, like just look at what goes in there and just be aware. And then you'll probably be horrified to make changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, yeah. I'm team. I'm team black coffee. So, I like I, my black coffee, especially over ice, like a nice I, cold brew. I would die in that hill. Yeah. Have you ever had cold brew with coffee ice cubes? No. Amazing. Game I do. I do like cold coffee. Um, and I'm from the Northeast, and like, it's like a. What's the word? It's a. It's like a. It's like a genetic marker. In the Northeast, you have a Dunkin' iced coffee. Like, that's just what you do. And you wear a North oh, Face really? jacket. And you wear a North Face jacket and you wear Uggs. But, like, there's Dunkins everywhere in the Northeast. Mm. Um, like, here, they're not, they're not as many of them. But, like, up there, there's more Dunkin' Donuts probably than any, any more than gas stations, more than anything. Like, there's... Really? Every, yeah, they're everywhere. Oh. F- fun fact, they also function a lot better in the North than they do in the South. Just going to throw that out there. Mm. The coffee ice cubes like as i'm older now i just take it hot and you know to cool off over time and mm. you know, i used to be especially when i was in prep like my cold brew from i would go to Dunkin' because i was on my way to work cold brew iced coffee uh sorry cold brew iced it's already cold um with like a little bit of almond milk and that was my jam i got the largest size you could and i just drank that all day yeah i only i have like one cup of coffee in the morning when i wake up and then depending how the day is going or what I have going on, I may have a, a second cup. But for the most part, past 10 a.m., I'm usually not drinking coffee for the rest of the day. So you're cut off at this point. It's 1230. Oh, yeah, yeah. I won't I won't touch coffee. You, you could you could bring me a cup of coffee and I won't take it. But what about a bang? I've already I'm already a, a bang in today. Oh, so you're already, you're already caffeined out, like no more caffeine of any kind. Well, we got to work out later, so. <laughs> pre-workout <laughs> we're gonna pre we're gonna over caffeinate yeah this absolute machine man i can't wait to get back to it yeah so we got breakfast just keep it low sugar make sure there's a lot of protein in there don't go too crazy in your carbs even too say it i know you want to say something on the carb range Carbs are gonna carbs are gonna increase your blood sugar, so you might as well just have sugar then at that point. So you have to have a nice balanced breakfast. So what so what would be the issue with having oatmeal, throw some fruit in it, throw some protein in it? Well, you got protein in there though, so you're now it's balanced. Yeah. 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 Some, but, but, some people will just do like oatmeal though. And like yeah. they'll do like the little like brown sugar packet oatmeal and all and that's just gonna make you crash. Yeah, that's another one of the sugars, another one of those topics for me anyway, for that me and her disagree on. But you always want to have balance. Breakfast should get yeah, the first meal of the day should be should be fairly balanced. My one advice on what she just said, do not confuse fruit with sugar. Yeah, um, that they're they're They do not go together. They're in the same maybe wheelhouse, I guess you could say, uh, but they're definitely not 
like equivalent as far as what people mean when they say you should watch sugar in your diet. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole other podcast within itself talking about glycemic index and glycemic load and all of that, but he's correct. Oh, question. This came up because I've never heard this. Have you ever heard that bananas are bad for women? For women in particular? Or specifically women? No. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they I, said, bad? I don't know. There, there was no data to support it. It was just a blanket statement that someone had brought up that they had encountered. So they asked me about it. And I was like, huh? Let's Oh my God. A banana is bad for you. If you have an anaphylactic reaction to it, sure. Like if you're allergic and you're (laughs) like, you go, you go into, you have like a heart attack because you ate a banana, then yes, it's bad for you. But aside from that, like get you some potassium, get those carbs. Like Jesus Christ. I mean, the things that people come up with, it's crazy. I know it's just going to, it's how I'm going to make it. I'm going to bullshit my way into my own hair care line. Into your own what? My own hair care line, hair care, hair oh. care, hair care line. And it's just going to be like, I put mayonnaise in my hair every day. And this is how, you know, we get these beautiful locks. <laughs> right? Like Kylie Jenner, eat your heart out, right? Isn't that a thing, though, putting mayo in your hair? I'm sure people have done it for the same reason. Like it, that whole influencer shit. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, I could market myself as a, as like a hair care specialist. And like, I, I'm using bang energy in my hair. And bang energy and butter. I blend it together and I run it through my hair. <laughs> Comb, you want to start three days a week and you want to ease into this thing. So you're going to do it three days a week and gradually work your way up until you do it every single day for a month, right? And you're going to comb in, right? Bang energy and butter into your hair, let it sit for five minutes. And then you're going to you're going to go in the shower, steam it out and stuff like that. I could totally make it. You know, I'm not on TikTok. Um, it's just like a whole nother platform I just can't even handle. But I get a lot of news articles now around nutrition things um, that are featured on TikTok. And it's just like horrifying what people come up with. It's like. It really is. It's T- awful. This is kind of way off topic, but TikTok in itself is awful. Yeah. Have you heard of their privacy their privacy clauses and all that? Yeah. Like they own you. Well, the, the crazy thing about TikTok is I've, if I'm on TikTok and I have the app on my device that's connected to my Wi-Fi and like I'm sitting at my computer and let's say I'm sitting at a work computer, that if they wanted to. Now, I'm not going to sit here and assume that TikTok wants to access all the fucking data in the world. But if they wanted to, they could access my computer. That doesn't that isn't even doing anything related to, you know, me watching videos of some stupid 10-year-old dancing. Um, totally. You know what I mean? And it's it's crazy. And the other the the more fascinating thing, right? So TikTok is developed by a company, I forget their name, but they are based in China. TikTok has TikTok exists in China. Yeah. However, what's different about TikTok in China is it's it focuses on educational content like science, education, mathematics, achievement in those categories and things of that nature. And it's TikTok? limited. Yes. And it's limited to one hour use a day if you are under the age of, I think it's like 13 or 14, right? So if, oh, in China, in physically in China, right? Okay. So when you open it, like you're going to see educational stuff, like things like you'll learn things kind of like when for us growing up, Bill and I, the science guy, shit like that, mm. um, which is a great way to use the application. I think uh, personally, I think it's pretty brilliant, but it's the same app. It's just structured differently. And it's just, it's just wild to see the comparison. And that's not me giving a stance on China and US and whatever the political situation is. That's just a, a, techno, a tech, technological difference and stuff like that. And it's that actually seems like a pretty effective use of it. 
that sounds like a really great idea. Is there a way that we, that you can as a parent have control like that over your kid's social media where it's like you only want specific content to be filtered through? I mean, I doubt it. Like if I, I mean, if I go on my computer right now and I search, like we're talking, everything we're talking about, I guarantee you I'm going to get like probiotic ads, um, dietitian, nutrition help, gut health stuff on my phone, which is next to me. So like, they're just listening. Hmm. See, I have my Siri turned off besides on my watch. And I don't get all those ads because my husband has it turned on and his like responds immediately to it. And I just find that freaky. So I turned mine off. Yeah. It'd be a shame if they started targeting me with ads for adopting monkeys. Is that, is that like a trick now? We're going to see next week. Next week, we'll find out if you are if you're adopting a monkey. My algorithms, monkey. my, my algorithms always monkeys. Um, really? Yeah, it's like it's like funny gym videos, and it's uh, funny gym videos, and it's monkeys, like baby monkeys, like wearing diapers and like hoodies and stuff. And I'm like, it, my first thought all the time is like, dude, I could totally have like a, a monkey to be my assistant. Like, how awesome would that be? Like on Friends. Yeah, until like the like, and it's got to be a small monkey though, because like I don't want the monkey to like one day beat the shit out of me. Yeah, but like, That'd be unfortunate. Like I could go places with the monkey. Like the monkey could bring me water. Like. Maybe we that watch, person. We could watch a game together, stuff like that. Yeah. You know what you should do? You should move to Key West then, and then you should just walk around like the streets and just have tourists take pictures with your monkey and charge them for it. Why did you have to bring capitalism into this? <laughs> just saying, I feel like you're gonna need money to support the monkey. <laughs> just feed, just <laughs> I'll feed him a banana, which is bad for him. Like <laughs> the monkey has to earn his keep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh, anyway all right this has been a fun one it has it's been like it went like all over the place beef fiber water breakfast sugar all over the place 